2: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. He gets so crazy at times. It sounds like. <laughs> you yell back at your radio.
1: What are you talking
3: about?
2: What the hell? He gets so angry. You tweet to try and calm him down. Now, he gets an hour all to himself. It's Sparky's Midday Madness on The Fan with Steve Sparky Pfeiffer. Presented by the Milwaukee Admirals. Visit them at milwaukeeadmirals.com. Sparky's Midday Madness on
4: 1250 AM The Fan live. From the Lakeland University Studios The leader in online education for more than 25 years Lakeland.edu Sam Schmitz, executive producer other side of the glass Coming up at 3 o'clock The Rami Show But the story there The franchise, Tim Allen back to hosting a show It's been almost 3 months I think Since we've been able to have Tim hosting a show here uh, so Tim Allen hosting coming up three to six uh, this afternoon. So if you are a Brewers fan, I think, I think, according to what I'm hearing from Sam Schmidt, Sam, tell me if I'm wrong. I think there will be some Brewers baseball talk somewhere in that three to six show.
3: Oh, we will do a bunch of Brewers talk, but first, Sparky, we have to do a Tim's famous segment, Tim's news and notes, to lead off the show. We'll be talking baseball at 4 o'clock. If you guys want to call in 4 to 4.30, we'll be taking your guys' calls. And then we'll talk with Bruce Levine of 670 The Score, baseball insider for them at 4.30, as well as a stop from Ryan Horvat at 345 as well. And, of course, some draft mockery.
4: Nice. Oh, good. Now, that'll be a lot of fun coming up. Uh, news and notes. God, I can't stand that segment. I love it. Uh, but, but I mean, in fairness to Tim, he hasn't been able to do news and notes for like three months. So, news and notes may be four hours long. I may may end up going past that. Gelb's normal show from 6 to 7. It may go to 7 o'clock tonight with Tim. I still got news and notes from last December I got to get to. Uh, but either way, it'll be fun. I can't wait to hear Timmy back on the air uh, 3 to 6. Uh, I know there there will probably be some talk of this coming up on Tim's show, and I want to talk a little bit about it here, this MLB lockout, but I want to first say I'm very, very excited for my guests coming up at 2.15. Very, very excited. Kansas head football coach Lance Lappel is going to join me coming up uh, at about 2.15 Uh, John McNamara of BadgerBlitz.com tweeted out yesterday that he has been active in Wisconsin, offering some scholarships to a couple of different players. Obviously, he can't talk about the players that he's recruiting, clearly. Uh, But it'd be be fun to catch up with uh, Coach Leipold and uh, talk to him about his days at Whitewater, talk to him about that move from Whitewater to Buffalo and the transition, what that was all about, then the success he had at Buffalo, uh, and then making that next run uh, to go to Kansas to, you know, Legitimately, if we're being honest with ourselves, a program that hasn't been very good in quite some time. Quite some time. And uh, they've been kind of trying to fight that battle of getting that program righted again and some memorable moments uh, from Kansas' football season this year. Plus, we'll talk about the recruiting process and you know how you recruit at Whitewater versus how you recruit at Buffalo versus how you recruit uh, at Kansas. Uh, and then how important the state of Wisconsin is to him from a recruiting perspective because, again... Wisconsin-Kansas, eh, not necessarily all that close together. Buffalo-Wisconsin, definitely not that close together uh, out there on the East Coast. So, can't wait to talk with Coach uh, Lance Leopold uh, coming up here in about 15 minutes. Been looking forward to it since we were able to line it up last night. Uh, but first, I want to just briefly just talk a little bit uh, about this, this lockout. So, a couple of things that are rather apparent here. Number one, neither side, I'll make this very clear, neither side had any intention of starting this season on time. Neither side. Because if either side had any intention of starting this thing on on time, they would have been having discussions every day, oh, I don't know, starting two months ago. If either side had any intention of trying to start this thing on time, there would have been a lot more progress made to this point. Quite a bit more progress made to this point. Instead, you read from Jesse Rogers of ESPN, John Heyman, our Odyssey MLB insider, Jeff Passan, all the different guys that are covering this thing, incremental progress. Well, they kind of moved a few percentage on this topic, and they moved a little bit on this topic, but overall, not a lot of things uh, have been said and done. Last night, I'm listening to MLB Network Radio and their simulcast and their TV broadcast. And I'm listening to John Heyman. And John Heyman is pretty much saying that this is not as bleak as everybody makes it out to be. That this is very possibly could get done this weekend. But they both have got to be willing to move. And as John puts it, look, if if you know this side moves this much on this deal, and this side moves this much on this deal, you could essentially trade it off. Okay. You win on that part of the, the, the negotiation, and we win on this part of the negotiation. And you move forward. It's not like there are huge, gigantic gaps necessarily uh, at the end of the day. You know, arguing about the Super 2s um, and you know when guys can get to free agency and so forth. That is a sticking point, obviously. But we'll have to wait and see who's willing to give on what. They're both not going to win all of these. They're just not. Like The players' union isn't going to win the service time argument, and they're going to win the bonus pool argument, and they're going to win every—they're not. So there's going to have to be to give and take between the two of them. There just is. So the players' association is going to lose some, and the union's going to lose some. Now, the other part of this that I don't like— you can mark me down. I don't know what Sam Schmitz feels on this— this lottery thing that they want to do for the draft is so dumb. First of all, the NBA has been sitting here trying to think of how to get rid of the lottery or how to try to change it to make it better. Yet here's Major League Baseball and the players thinking, oh, the lottery, that'll help the Pittsburgh Pirates really play harder. That'll help the Pittsburgh Pirates compete more. That'll force them if we have a lottery. So, again. And it's not even easy. At least with the NBA, it's a bunch of ping-pong balls or whatever. And, you know, you get so many ping-pong balls, depending on where you play, you get that percentage of chance or whatever. Fine. Not this thing. Mm Mm-mm. No. So this is how they're proposing it goes as of right now. The lottery for the top seven picks among the 18 non-playoff teams. Okay? Remainder of picks after the seven that are in the lottery go in reverse order of winning percentage. Unless, unless... For teams that don't pay revenue sharing, finish in the bottom eight in winning percentage for three straight years, can't pick higher than 10th. Finish bottom eight for four straight years, can't pick higher than 18th. For teams that do pay money to revenue sharing, finish in the bottom eight for two straight years or bottom 12 for three consecutive years, can't pick higher than 10th. Finish bottom 12 for four straight years, can't pick higher than 18th. So what they're saying is If you're a large market team and you're putting money into revenue sharing, we're going to give you the break in the lottery before essentially we penalize you. You're going to get a longer break than, say, a team that doesn't make any money, that doesn't have a lot of revenue, that doesn't have a big TV deal, but doesn't have a big radio deal. We're going to penalize those teams first. And then you large market teams that are paying revenue sharing, we're going to cut you the break that you so rightfully deserve Because you're splitting your huge money from having the Yes Network or whatever else the case may be. That's dumb. So, let's move on. Percentage chance for lottery picks. The bottom three teams, 15% chance each. The fourth worst team, 12.5%. The fifth worst, 10%. And then it goes all the way down uh, to the 18th worst team, Uh, has less than a half a percentage chance of winning the lottery. But they still have a chance. So we're talking about 18 teams are going to be in this lottery. 18! Then, if a club is eligible for competitive balance pick, defined as a team from the 10 smallest markets or among those with the 10 lowest revenues, and the Brewers have been beneficiary of this in the past, Uh, if a club is eligible for competitive balance pick qualifies for the playoffs, it receives an extra draft choice, directly after the first round. That one I don't mind. I don't think I'm liking it if I'm a large market team necessarily. But teams like Tampa Bay definitely are going to benefit from this because they're always at the bottom payroll-wise uh, and revenue-wise. So every time they make the playoffs, they get an extra first-round pick after the first round is done. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're, they're just going to continue to be able to maintain that balance. If a club is eligible for competitive balance pick, is 500 or better, it receives an extra draft choice directly after the second round, which means that if you're getting a competitive balance pick or eligible for it, even though you will make the playoffs but you're 500 or better, you get an additional second-round pick. What part of this, Sam Schmitz, do you not like?
3: Well, I just don't like the part where it doesn't even sound like a lottery. You know, it's it's just a draft order. It's just a more complicated way of creating a draft order, in my opinion. Like when I hear lottery, I just think, like you said, the NBA with the ping pong balls. Like and let's go. This this is nothing like that. This is the you know stipulations all over. This is just the old draft order with a whole bunch of other you know laws and uh, rules attached to it. So
4: what are we doing here? I want to know if you're going to do it this way. How is it going to be done? Like, are you putting it into a computer program and then you're going to announce what the computer program says? Is it going to be a made-for-TV event where you're going to have a half-hour special or an hour special on MLB Network? That's what the NBA has done. NBA turned it into its whole whole own ordeal.
3: I don't trust baseball and Rob Manfred to get any of this right, so they'll probably just you know have it done on a computer and then send out a press the, release, release the results
4: on MLB Network or something like that. Hey. They won't even make a show out of it. And that's missing a golden opportunity if you don't make a show out of it, in my opinion, because it's right there. If you're going to do it, no matter how dumb it appears it's going to be, at least try and make some revenue out of it and get some eyeballs. Because the MLB draft, nobody cares about the MLB draft. Nobody watches it. So here's a way to at least get people tuning into the MLB for the lottery. That's just my thoughts. All right, see Sparky, Fiverr, Sam Schmidt's other side of the glass. Coming up next, Coach Lance Leopold, the head coach at Kansas and former UW-Whitewater coach joins us straight ahead here on Sparky's Midday Madness, presented to you by the Milwaukee Admirals. Sparky's Midday Madness right here on 1250 AM, The Fan, presented to you by the Milwaukee Admirals. Check them out, affordable good family fun at milwaukeeadmirals.com. See Sparky Pfeiffer, Sam Schmitz, executive producer, other side of the glass. Tim Allen, the franchise, hosting for Rami Makhlop, coming up at 3 o'clock on The Rami Show. Want to stay tuned for that. Joining us now... Is our guy, head football coach at Kansas. He is Lance Leipold uh, on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Coach, thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate it.
0: Uh, no, no problem. It's great to be with you. I hope everybody's doing well.
4: Yeah, man. Everybody's uh, everybody's hanging in there doing pretty good, obviously. I, I-, I want to kind of just go back, if you don't mind, to how this whole thing started for you. I mean, you go from playing at Whitewater to coaching at Whitewater and winning championships at Whitewater How did that whole transition work from player to coach?
0: (laughs) Well, um, when you're not very good as a player, it makes it easier, that's for sure. Um, You know, when I was done playing and, you know, mid-late 80s in there, uh, you know, trying to find a job and and do different things, I started working the football camps. And, you know, I had a a great mentor, in Bob Bresowitz, a longtime coach there, and Started, you know, helping out, coach quarterbacks at some of the summer camps. Really started enjoying it, and then was still in August and still trying to find things. I was looking at first at law enforcement, and uh, you know, he said, "Hey, if you're not doing anything, uh, and you know, you want to come down for fall camp and help out with the quarterbacks," I started, and I never left. And that's kind of the way it's been, and uh, you know, really, really glad I never
4: looked back. Let's debunk something that you just said. I looked it up. In a game against River Falls, I'll grant you, it, maybe it was a loss, you were 37 of 57 for 474 yards and four touchdowns as the quarterback. I, I don't think you sucked. I, I, I don't think that's true at all. I, I think you're pretty damn good, Coach.
0: Well, I appreciate you saying that. You know, you know, Blind Squirrel finds another oh, now stop. and then as well, and uh, you kind of have a career day, but uh... – but, yeah, we're, you know, I was fortunate. I played with some great, you know, great teammates, had, had a great experience at Whitewater. And, and you know, that was one of the things, though, to be quite honest, is that I always thought the potential lacrosse had some really nice runs back in our day of playing. And I always thought Whitewater would have the potential to, to be one of those elite programs in Division Three level. And Coach Brezowicz paved the way for that and, and said we had, a, we had a great eight-year run there and something we're really proud of.
4: All right, so now you're at Whitewater. You're having success. You're the man, uh, the man, the myth, the legend. A hundred and nine and six, a conference mark of fifty three and three. Those are just stupid numbers. So, at what point do you, did you determine that you want to go try Division One, and then how does Buffalo come into the picture?
0: Well, there there were some times where you kind of look at, okay, what's another challenge? There were there were times. Uh, you know, of starting something from scratch was always intriguing. Uh, I can probably say now that it's long down 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 the road, is I always wish EWM would would have brought back a football program. That was always intriguing to me. Um, but one day, I uh, dropped uh, dropped our kids off at school, and within 45 minutes, I had gotten uh, two different calls from two different areas asking if I would be interested in the job at the University of Buffalo. And, you know, it was intriguing. I uh, really heard of, I, I thought that a coach from Division three could get a chance to coach in the Mid-American Conference. I thought it was kind of ironic that it was the furthest <laughs> East school away from, from Wisconsin and in the league. I thought it would maybe be one more, uh, a little bit closer if that opportunity came. And three, four days later, Danny White, uh, the athletic teacher now at the University of Tennessee, uh, came to the ha- house, had a, had a visit with us, uh, with my wife and I, and Then it went on for like a month. This was in October that this happened. But uh, then Saturday after uh, late, late on a Saturday night after uh, Thanksgiving, uh, they called to offer the job. I was on a plane, you know, drove to Milwaukee at about four in the morning. And next thing you know, your life literally changes in so many different ways. And uh, so grateful for that opportunity as well as, uh, you know, what we had at Whitewater.
4: So you never legitimately applied they just essentially recruited you, Well,
0: yeah, you know that's the way it works so much at the division one level there's there's always search, and that was through a search firm and, and things that happen, and people reach out and reach out to you, people that represent you at times and, and um, so yeah, it kind of comes that way express it can go either way, I guess you can you can express your interest, but that one actually kind of came to us, and would that be something? that 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 would fit and the more we researched it and looked at the opportunity though it was kind of uncharted territory as far as living and recruiting and those things uh we did feel with the, the vision of i uh, said danny white as an athletic corrector and and things that it would be something that we we wanted to and and we're lucky enough to uh to pursue
4: so you get there five and seven two and ten Six and six, and then the breakout 10-win <laughs> season in 2018. How hard is it to try and convince everybody, that, look, I'm the dude for the job. I know we only won a couple of games, but we're going in the right direction. How, how difficult was that part of it?
0: Yeah, you know, it's, it, that's a great question, Sparky, because, you know, when you go through these things, um, I, I had a chance after the first year uh, to meet with, with Dave Clawson, uh, head coach at Wake Forest, and he told me he was – from the, from the Western New York area, but he was also giving me, any coach coached at Bowling Green, and he's just general advice. And he said, year two can be more difficult than year one. And I'm like, no way. You know, it's <laughs> that, why, why would that be? And, but, you know, you get, you know, people give you a, a chance. There's a so called whatever honeymoon phase, whatever the way you want to word it. And, and it was true. And, and we had a lot of players that, after our second spring, one full year really in, in our system, decided it wasn't for them. And, and it was truly kind of a bottom out type situation. Now that being said, we thought our recruiting classes and were fitting what we wanted to do culturally, systematically. Um, they had a great attitude and work ethic. They were just young. And, and then you started to see the fruits of the labor play a payoff in year three, where we, we only reached, we reached full eligibility, did not get selected. Um, that was only the third time in school history. And then, then of course the big season. Um, In 2018, where we
4: won 10 games. Coach Lance Ladpole joining us here uh, on Sparky's Midday Madness, presented to you by the Milwaukee Admirals. Of course, many of you know him from his huge success at Wisconsin Whitewater. I, for one, have been following him uh, on his journey since Whitewater. So you have success at Buffalo. Uh, You win the, the MAC East Division title a couple of times. You end up with three bowl bids, two bowl wins. How does Kansas come about?
0: Well, you know, there was it was an odd timing uh, of things, but uh, when Les Miles was was uh, you know forced to resign, I think late, really late March, mid March, and uh, at the same time, then um, through all that, uh, athletic director Jeff Long resigned here, so Kansas took. You know, really had a unique opportunity because uh, really a lot of the coaching carousel had stopped, but yet they had a chance to hire an athletic director and a football coach, so I, I think they made a great decision by moving slowly and hiring the athletic director first, in which uh, Travis Goff, um, who had spent uh, time at Northwestern uh, in development, and, and of course uh, our, around Jim Phillips, who's an outstanding athletic director, and, and Pat Fitzgerald as a coach, and He's a Kansas alum, a Dodge City, Kansas native, and, uh, you know, great vision and energy. And then from there, he went on a, about a, a shoot. It almost took four weeks of, of, of thorough interviews and things like that. We were able to finish spring football at Buffalo, but uh, kind of went through a lengthy process. And on, I think it was uh, April 30th of, uh, uh, on a Friday morning, they called and officially offered the job.
4: So we talk about you but what about your coaching staff? Because when you move, you're bringing your guys, so they're all having to pick up and move with you.
0: Yeah, it's a lot. You know, we talk about so many of these things, you know, how it affects players, the ones that unfortunately that you, that, that you take, you, you're you not able to, you know, you're moving on, and players, you have relationships there. Um, we talk about staff, and, and more importantly, the families, you know, the wives, the children, the people that are affected where – You know, for us, a lot of times, uh, you know, we're, we're working the same hallway with the same guys. It's, it's children going to different schools and, and wives having to sell homes and buy new homes and schools and everything else that that goes along with it. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of stress in that and, and uncertainty. And, uh, but, uh, you mentioned the people that come along. I've been very fortunate to work with some great coaches and, and more importantly, great people. People that were were aligned very well and what we believe in and how we go about it on a daily basis. And and it, and that part of transition makes it work really well. And, and how we go about, you know, the the day-to-day operation as well as our recruiting
4: philosophies. It's been a while since Kansas has been pretty good. It's been a while. Uh, and obviously we have Gilbert Brown all the time uh, on on the big mm-hmm. show with Gary and Leroy. And, you know, he takes a lot of grief from us about Buffalo. Uh, so when you got hired, I said, all right, now you got a coach. Here right, we right. go. Here we go. We got it. Yeah. We got it. Uh, and you all beat South Dakota and you would have thought you all won a national championship with the all way right, your right. student section reacted, coach.
0: Yeah, you talk about being starved for, for, for some wins and some uh, you know some success, and, and that's been unfortunate. You have to go back to about two thousand seven, two thousand eight with Mark Mangino, um, Orange Bowl, Orange Bowl victory, and then then shortly after that, things have, have been on some you know a, a tough uh, a tough stretch, and and that shows. You know, you go back even further, Glenn Mason. Uh, had, had success. So you kind of look at it, and you can look at a, a, a program like Iowa State and the job Matt Campbell's done. You can look in the Big Ten, uh, Tom Allen at, at Indiana, Jeff Brom at Purdue, uh, P.J. Fleck in Minnesota. There's, there's places that haven't had a lot of success, and, and when you find the right person in the right mix, uh, those programs have been able to, to, to have some success that hadn't been seen in a long time. And we, we feel the very same way about what we can do here in Lawrence, Kansas.
4: And then, obviously, that was, a, that was a big game. But then later in the year, the game I, I couldn't get my eyes off was that game against Texas. When you beat Texas, that was monumental, I would think, for that program. Did I lose him?
0: Morale of our Are you still there? Yep, I got sorry?
4: you. You just cut off before right, you okay. answered, so just go ahead.
0: Okay, I'm sorry. And, uh, yeah, it was a, a huge boost to our, to, to our, our confidence and our morale. Um, in so many ways, and uh, especially against a program like that. And, and guys, I tell you, the, the thing that I'm most proud of is, you know, we're a one and eight football team going down to Austin, Texas, playing, you know, one of the best programs, you know, traditionally each and every year. You can say what you want, but, and, and to a venue that's pretty tough to play in. And, and at that time, and, you know, the program was 0 and 9 the year before we arrived, and there's has been, as we said, a lot of success. And, there's a lot of times where teams will go and just play it out and go through the motions, and for us to go out and, and play as well as we did with the passion and execution, I was just, you know extremely proud of our players and our coaches.
4: Talk with Coach Lance Leipold, head coach at Kansas, obviously formerly of uh, UW Whitewater and national championship. Uh, galore, uh, one after another. I mean, he was there 2007, he won a championship, 2009, 10, 11, 13, 14, I mean, just insanity. In 2008, they were there but lost. Just an unbelievable run at Whitewater. And now, trying to turn around Kansas. I, I would imagine, correct me if I'm wrong, that for you at Kansas, this transfer portal thing has got to be feel like a godsend, I would think, to you huh. guys.
0: Well, you know, it's a... For many of us, there's give and take in this thing. But right now, it, it, there, there are some. I, I think a lot of pluses for a program like us. Um, you know, shortly after our arrival, we lost three defensive starters. All the schools to the SEC. So there, there you take uh, you know you take your lumps, and then. But at the same time, we we brought in seven transfers here at semester. Um, the the thing about it is, uh, I I think the thing that's resonated to me the most with with transfers is they're looking at it through a different lens than they did as 17-year-olds and 18-year-olds. They're looking at it, uh, it's not necessarily all the size of the stadium, the uniforms, the amount of helmets you have, and all the other things that go along sometimes with uh, with recruiting today. Uh, they're looking at it as far as opportunity and fits and, and what's going to be be the best for them at this particular time, and and obviously playing time is one of those, and and so we we've been able to, to do well in that in that area, and I'm sure we'll continue to use that as we as we build our program.
4: Coach, how how is the recruiting aspect of coaching different when you're talking Whitewater to Buffalo to Kansas?
0: Huh. Um. Well. obviously the scholarship is hugely different and that was nice when you can walk in and what you see at certain times when you offer a scholarship and you watch a mother you know come to tears of emotion about how that's going to change their son's life and and what it can do and and but at the same time it's highly more competitive than it is at at a whitewater where it's a a lot more regional and 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 a lot of things are kind of set in its way there of Division III recruiting, especially in Wisconsin and and the Northern Illinois area. But um, a lot more travel, a lot more. And the other thing, it never stops, especially even from Buffalo to here. um, It's a nonstop 24-7, 365, where a lot of times the lower the level, so to speak, you're waiting for things to kind of sort their way themselves out. So now we're at the Power 5 level, Big 12 Conference. You have to be in it each and every day and, and try to find the ones that are a fit. That being said, I still think it comes down to that fit, uh, to understand, to uh, be honest and genuine about what, what it's all about and what we're about. And I think there's many things that we continue to do the same way, but we just have more resources and more people many times to get those things done.
4: I saw John McNamara of BadgerBlitz.com dot uh, com uh, talk about uh, you've been active recruiting the state of Wisconsin. How important is the state of Wisconsin to you and maintaining those relationships with all the people that you you know got relationships with back in your days at Whitewater? Because Wisconsin's a far away from Buffalo. It's not exactly close to Kansas either, uh, but yet you guys seem pretty active in the state.
0: Yeah, we want to be active. Uh, you know, can't talk specifically right. about that as as you know, but. Yeah, we tried at Buffalo as well, and as I kind of stated earlier, is that you know from Wisconsin and the MAC footprint, uh, you know we're the furthest east. If a guy's going to be a MAC player, there's what, you know well, how it played out. He was he was more than likely going to look at Northern Illinois, Western Michigan, and probably Central Michigan first, and and it and it usually played out that way. But we always felt we wanted to try to. We did get a few players from Illinois. Um, if you if Man like Wisconsin playing against Iowa wide receiver uh, kick and punt returner Charlie Jones for them, started his career for us in, in, uh, in Buffalo, and he's from the Chicago suburbs. So we feel we can do some you know some recruiting there. I, I think it's important for us to recruit the big 12 footprint. and uh, but again, geographically and our backgrounds, there's going to be times that we are going to be in Nebraska, Iowa, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Illinois. We just feel it, it is something that we can offer, and as the you know realignment of our conference and 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 having an opportunities at the Power Five level, we we think uh, there'll be a time that we'll get someone from the state of Wisconsin or a guy or two to to jump in and be a Jayhawk.
4: There he is, Coach Landsliapold. Uh, again, you can follow him on Twitter as well. He's on Twitter. Uh, And, of course, uh, I'm sure you'll see him around. I don't know about everybody else, but I know there's a bunch of people that are still rooting for you, uh, even though you're at Kansas and and hoping you do well, Coach, and I'm one of them. So continued success, good luck, and uh, looking forward to seeing you turn it around.
0: Well, I appreciate it, appreciate the opportunity, and uh, hopefully we'll have a chance to do it again real soon. And, uh, you know, Sparky, you're always welcome in Lawrence, Kansas, okay?
4: Never been, but I'm willing to give it a shot. Never been.
0: All right, well, we'll take in a Royals game, and then we'll come down to campus.
4: Now nah, we're talking. All right, sounds good. I'll take you up on that deal here at some point too, no doubt. Coach, thanks for coming out, buddy. Thank you. Have a great weekend. Take Bye. care, you too. There he is, Coach Lance Leopold, head coach at Kansas. If applying for home renovation, low feeling anxious. Breathe. My great Midwest Bank help you experience a state of banquility. Get started at greatmidwestbank.com today. Sammy Schmitz, let me ask you a question. How old are you? You're 20-what? 25. 25. So when you're 18, 17, right, your junior, whatever the case may be, 16, sophomores, and you're in Wisconsin, and you're getting recruiting offers from schools that are miles and miles and miles away from your home and your family, and whether it be Kansas, Buffalo, UCLA, Texas, whatever, I don't think people really realize how difficult that is, I think, to know that you're moving away. You literally are going into a place where unless one of your teammates are going to the same school as you, you're literally going to know nobody. On some gigantic campus, again, with not a lot of money because you don't get anything, not a lot of money in your in your pocket, uh, and then having to do your schoolwork, on top of having to do all the football stuff or basketball stuff, Yeah, I just... You know, that obviously is the ultimate goal, but that's got to be a scary proposition picking up and moving away from home at that age, Sam Schmitz.
3: I think it just depends on the person. Like some people, I think they enjoy the challenge of trying to meet new people and kind of leaving everything, you know, in the other state. But I don't know. For me, like I went to UWM and I can't imagine like, you know, not seeing my family for a couple months, let alone maybe even a year or so. So that probably wouldn't be for me, but I certainly had a lot of friends on the football team that were recruited by, you know, uh, schools from out of state, and they took, they took up the offer. But, man, I don't know. If it was me in those shoes, I don't know if I could do it.
4: See, I think everybody is different. A friend of mine, um, his daughter, uh, got a scholarship and moved within the state where they live but was like, I don't know, four or five hours away from their family, right? Got homesick, bailed, and came back home and bailed on the offer that, that, that she had because she got homesick. And I don't know how much that necessarily happens. You know, I think it's happened a couple of times, maybe at Wisconsin for football. Uh, but it is, that is a tough deal. Because at 17, are you really mature enough to be able to go live on your own and figure this stuff out at 17? There's no way. I mean, I was living on my own at 18. So I graduated high school, got my own place. Um, so I was doing it and putting myself in a tremendous amount of debt, let me tell you. Because I was very irresponsible of what I was doing. But again, I mean, I don't know. That's a tough deal. Hey, are you looking for a new career? Would you like to be a part of a Christian-based, family-run company? A company that's been in business for over 30 years. Well, you're in luck. Young Express. My buddies, John Young and his crew, they're looking right now for dispatchers. And uh, they're looking to hire immediately. So uh, this is what you need. The one thing you do not need is experience because it's not necessary. They're going to train you. But you have to be able to multitask in a fast-paced environment, good communication skills, have to be computer literate, and have an overall friendly disposition for dealing with a variety of customers and drivers. At Young Express, if they hire you and you get brought on to be a dispatcher, you'll get a competitive hourly wage, paid holidays, vacation time, personal days, 401k with company match, not everybody does that anymore, and health plan. Apply at youngexpress.com today. That's J-U-N-G Express.com Young Express Success Drives them Sparky's Midday Madness Presented to you by the Milwaukee Admirals Check them out MilwaukeeAdmirals.com Affordable family fun They got their tribute to wrestling night Coming up here uh, In the next week or so Plus they're having their fish fry A couple of games with their fish fry uniforms As well It'll be called the Milwaukee Fish Fry I believe in those couple of games Pretty cool. He had John Greenberg on last Friday uh, talking about that, the president of the Milwaukee Admirals. Again, great time over at Panther Arena. Coming up, the franchise Tim Allen will join us coming up in the next segment. He'll tell us what's coming up uh, on his show coming up from 3 until 6. And he is in for Romney Makhlof, uh, who is off, uh, but he will be on uh, 670 The Score tonight, I believe, uh, if you want to check him out there down in Chicago. Now, I just... I want to bring up something real quick, and then we'll get to Tim Allen. And maybe I'll ask Tim Allen the same thing. I am 45, going to be 46, uh, coming up at the end of May. Give you an idea where I'm at age-wise, okay? So no longer really young. I'm not, not in my 20s or my teens or whatever. I remember when I turned 30, I was so depressed all day. My parents took me out to dinner the whole day. I was just depressed, just so depressed. I was 30 years old. Uh, Forty was fun. Was in Disney World, the whole deal. Had a great time. Uh, so that was that was a that was a fun birthday. But uh, fifty, not sure how that all is going to play out, one way or the other. But what I'm what I'm seeing here and been around now a little bit are people starting to retire, um, and that to me. Uh, is a little bit um, mm, uh, scary of a proposition, I guess. You know, guys like Robbie Magalhoff w- was in his mid-20s, and he looked at me straight in the face said, I can't wait to retire. And he was like 25. And I was like, what are you talking about? You can't wait to retire. And he's like, ah, yeah, I can't wait to retire. 25 years old, Robbie Magloff can't wait to retire. I, I don't understand. But as I'm seeing uh, people starting to retire – Um, I, I, I just, and you see pictures like, uh, Gene Miller, uh, over at uh, WTMJ does their morning show, has done their morning show. Today was his last day. He's all done. And I'm seeing pictures uh, online of him taking pictures with people and people tweeting out pictures and so forth. I don't, I don't know if he's happy, not happy, whatever the case may be. Like, I can't get myself there to think of there's nothing to do the next day. Like our old boss, Tom Parker, who was here for over a decade, when he retired, had a retirement party, going away party, hey, congratulations, good luck, blah, 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 blah. And him and his wife are traveling around the country and doing whatever they're doing in retirement. Like I can't get my head wrapped around the idea of having nothing to do every single day. Like it doesn't even sound remotely great necessarily to me. Now, again, maybe by the time I get to The point of maybe retiring, maybe that'll sound a heck of a lot better uh, at this point. But I don't know, man. I I think everybody's different. I think there are some people that just will work until they pretty much they die. Like, we're just going to work it all the way out. Whatever happens, happens. But I got to have something to do. I don't want to just be sitting at home and doing absolutely nothing. Sam, how are you with that when it comes to, I mean, again, you're in your 20s. Are, Are you a person that you feel like you have to be doing something? Or are you completely fine? Just absolutely doing nothing day-to-day? Uh, or do you think you'd go nuts?
3: I would eventually go nuts. Like, having a day or two off, I think, is important to kind of, like, reset yourself, especially for me. But, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm not even thinking about that right now. First of all, you have to have the money in order to retire. Now, I'm not uh, even anywhere close to that. Robbie
4: I was telling sorry, Robbie was in about at 25. He had no money. He's right. still living at home with his parents. And he's telling me, I can't wait to retire, Sparky. I'm like, dude. How are you got yourself all the way to retirement at this point? Now, another guy that I don't think is going to retire anytime soon is Tim Allen. It's another guy that loves what he does, loves doing post-game shows after Brewers games, and he's going to do it as long as somebody allows him to do it. And God knows we're going to allow him to do it forever. So uh, he'll be on this station doing those games. But when you find something that you love, you want to do it for uh, for as long as possible. So, I don't know. Random thoughts from Sparky, I guess, here on a Friday as I'm reflecting seeing these retirement pictures Uh, come up on my uh, Twitter timeline uh, as they go today. All right, coming up next, the franchise Tim Allen joins us to find out what's coming up on the Rami Show at 3 o'clock. Sparky's Midday Madness right here on 1250 AM. The fans, Steve Sparky, Fiverr with you, Sam Schmitz, executive producer. Other side of the glass, no matter your favorite sport, the place to be for great food, fun, and playing your own favorite indoor games is Q Club of Wisconsin plenty of TVs to watch games on while you play your favorite indoor games in their huge entertainment game room. We're talking about indoor bocce ball, we're talking about foosball, table tennis, pool, darts, shuffleboard, all of it right there in one gigantic room at Q Club of Wisconsin. Then you settle down some great, I'm talking loaded burgers, wraps, wings, plus their Wednesday and Friday fish fries piled up with all the extras visit their facebook page or q club of wi.com for menu and weekend live entertainment updates q club of wisconsin north grandview boulevard in waukesha the franchise tim allen joins us now as he gets ready to take over for one rami makloff who is off today as he does a shift on the score uh tonight down in chicago and i will tell you tim allen it is kind of depressing. Uh, looking at my Twitter timeline and seeing pictures and videos of Brewers, minor leaguers, all oh, down uh, in Maryvale doing their thing and uh, realizing that, A, it's a hell of a lot warmer down there than it is here, um, and, B, the the smell of being at a baseball park, the crack yeah. of the bat, the ball slapping into the mitt, the, the whole thing, and we get none of it right now here well, in Wisconsin.
1: The weather, uh, that's a little on the debatable side because... It looks sunny to me. There's no snow. Well, yeah, maybe today, but the last couple of days, like mid-40s and a little rainy. So it was kind of a little cold in the morning and then soggy and soppy in the afternoon. Now, we've been there when it's been very similar to that. Oh, yeah. You you and I were there when it was cold and rainy and they yep it rained out a Cub Cub Brewer matchup that year, maybe 2009-ish. But uh yeah it uh you know I haven't checked the broadcast schedule because of the delay in in Cactus League games but you know I was looking forward to this this Saturday meaning tomorrow to hear a broadcast to hear a Brewer game I mean think about that think think of what what this lockout uh is is starting to, to take away from everybody and that is you know your first broadcast where you hear I don't know if Euchre was going to do that broadcast or not but you know, just to hear Brewer broadcast starting, um, and I w- I would always catch the game on the first Saturday game for whatever reason. You know, two o'clock Central. I, I mean, always is... caught the first game. I'm with yeah. you. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you know, they're they're taking that away from us. We're gonna have Bruce Levine on uh, in about an hour and a half or so to to talk about the lockout and, you know, really, you know, it's it's. I heard you talking about it, and there's a lot of details, and the devil's always in the details, but. You know, let's keep it kind of simple for everybody and really more of a simplistic guy myself anyway. So when you you look at, you know, guys like Max Scherzer, who's, who's going to represent and speak for the player side of things. And this is a dude that's making I don't know 27, twenty seven thirty odd million a year, mm-hmm. and he and he drives up to the negotiations in a brand new Porsche. Oh, so what? What were the owners I mean, driving uh, up just, in Bentleys?
4: I mean, who cares?
1: I well, see, it's just we we don't understand that part of it. That that part of it for us making in the thirty forty fifty sixty seventy thousand dollar range, we can't relate to that stuff. I would rather not see that. I, I really would. When when these guys are uh, griping over, you know, raising the minimum salary from $570,000. $570,000. Good for them for getting it. Don't get me wrong. I, I applaud that effort for sure. They've invested a lot in, in themselves, their bodies. It's, it's been tough on them, that grind. But $570,000 is the minimum wage for a Major League Baseball player. And and we just can't relate to some of the griping that's going on between these two sides.
4: Yeah, and I understand that 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 you can't relate. However, I mean, you you've seen some of these things come over from Jeff Pass as far as how much money the Atlanta Braves made um, in in the past year, whatever the case may be, and it's a huge amount of money. And yeah, as Passon yeah. points out, don't cry to me that you all aren't making any money and that well, it's then a too bad and so these forth. players
1: these players need to then buy their own baseball team to make that money. They don't, again, Rami and I, one year ago today, probably, when we were doing the, the I think, the short-term Tim and Rami's, yes. or Rami and Tim show. Until the brewer's season started, yeah. Yeah, we, we, were, we were griping about that, too. We are bitching back and forth. And I, I just, you can't, I, I like a happy work environment. I do. And, and because uh, happy, happy employees work harder for you. They do. Agreed. And so it's, it's best off that, that we all get along. But at the end of the day... To coin a Giannis phrase, um, you you can't tell your employee what you're gonna make. It doesn't work like that. It just just doesn't work like that. And and I don't I you know, I'm never gonna budge from that. A boss is a boss, an employee is an employee. There are ways to get along, there are ways to work together. Communication is key. As I see this thing ramp up the tra- trajectory, Stevie. That I saw since December 2nd's lockout some months ago, to see them never really get together in any you know, regimented form. Had no in, interest. It, it, exactly. And, and it's like now, all of a sudden, this is the first week that they have met Monday through Friday. Correct. Like, oh, I don't know, a full-time job. Yep. Like you do. Yeah. like everybody else listening to us does. They go to their jobs every day. They don't just pick and choose when they want to work on their craft. They have to go every day. Well, is there some movement made? The good news is some movement is made is being made right now. Incremental. That's, yeah, that's the good news. Now, uh, and again, uh, we're going to talk to Bruce Levine, who, uh, Stevie, adds some pretty cool insight because he was a, a broadcast union head. Oh, I down did not in know. Chicago. Yeah, down in Chicago for years. So, you know, he told me a year ago that um, you know, deadlines do bring some productivity. Well, let's when, talk about let's talk about that deadline. So the
4: deadline is coming up, what, Monday or whatever Monday, the case may be. Yeah. So Spotrac Track put this out. A notable MLB salary loss per day every regular season games are missed. Max Scherzer, who you talked about earlier, per day. 234, okay. or something like that. 232,974 <laughs> per day. <laughs> Anthony Rendon, 193,548. Garrett Cole, 193,548. Mike Trout, 190,591. That is per day, folks. That is at a whole different level. Now, again, do they need the money? No, probably they don't probably need the money uh, necessarily, but that's a lot of money. Uh, that they're losing. But again, because it's those guys negotiating and not the guys that are at, are at the middle or bottom of the roster, mm-hmm. for them to lose paychecks isn't the end of the world. But for those guys that are at the bottom of rosters, that is a big deal to start losing paychecks.
1: It's a really big deal. Those those, those bottom of the roster guys that you talk about, um, even Brent Suter, who's, who's He's vocal. There. He's the team rep for the Brewers. He is there. You know What is he making? A million and a half, two million, maybe? Right. Yeah. Um, so that, that's a decent, uh, maybe a little more objective word. And I know what they say is that I sound anti-player you and do. I understand, I, I, I know that. And I understand that. And, and maybe I whistle a different tune, Stevie, if, if I got a microphone shoved in Josh Hader's face you know, <laughs> and I'm face to face with him. maybe, right. you know, maybe I put it a little more, Oh, I don't know, delicately. Um, but again, I, I'm just saying, go to the extreme cast. Cast your, your line way out there, the farthest it can go, and see where you're at there. And if there are still disagreements at at your furthest point, it has to come down to you are an employee. I just I can't stress that enough. And I I don't I don't wanna bash the players and and you know I I, I, I have a lot of admiration for, for uh, all of these players and, and working with Gary and Leroy and the investment in their body, as I said, the investment in their time, the investment in their social life, their investment with their family life, all of those things come into play. And I fully respect that and admire that with those guys. But when there is an impasse, that's the, what I'm saying. When, we, when we're in the middle of this, we can, we can talk, we can negotiate, we can kick, kick ideas around. An idea doesn't have to come from a Max Scherzer or, or all the way down to, um, you know, Joey Weimer, uh, a Brewer prospect. Right. It, it, a good idea can come from anywhere, and that's okay. But uh, my point is, when you've exhausted all opportunities, it has to come down to the boss has got to make a decision. And sometimes, more times than not, they're very difficult choices. Tim Allen, what do you got coming up on the Rami show next? Well, uh, since I've been uh, off the air for 57 days. 57 days, yeah.
4: Have you uh, done an on-air shift in 2022?
1: No. I didn't think Uh -uh. so. Yeah, so it's been since December. Yeah, my last shift was uh, December 29th. That was a Wednesday. I think it was for Bart, maybe the uh, Rami show or whatever. Yeah, Yeah, December 29th, so... I may have had the math wrong Monday when I talked to Rami, but 57 days, um, I'm just... Guys, you cannot believe how happy I am to be here. I just want to do the dance. I just want to... yeah. You see that Icky Woods commercial? Yes. <laughs> oh, yes, I have. Yes. I want to do that. You're in better shape just,
4: than Icky Woods, I'm here to tell you. But I yeah. just
1: want to jump around and I uh, just have a little different outlook on a lot of things. Um, yeah, I'll I'll touch on that just a little bit to start the show. Not to, I don't want to belabor the point. A lot of people have been hit by COVID far worse than me, and so I I won't belabor the point. I won't make it you know all about me. It's there's tough times. It's not only uh, your health, um, but people have lost loved ones. Yes. and to to this, and I you know I haven't um, you know I I have not, and and I'm I'm appreciative of that, and I'm I'm still here and that's that's the key and just just to do this is a huge thing for more reasons than just doing a radio show stevie just just being normal is such a great thing right now for me. I can't, I can't express it enough, man.
4: That's awesome. Good. I'm glad you're you're getting better on the road to recovery. Yes, That's good. Yes. Uh, this segment brought to you by Jim Danny, South 27th Street in Oak Creek. Watch all your favorite teams at Jim Danny's while enjoying awesome food and friendly vibes. It's all happening. At Jim Dandy, South Twenty Seventh Street in Oak Creek, tells Charlie Sparky says hi when you stop yep. in. I got but some great food at Jim
1: Dandy's. Yes. News, news and notes to start off the show. I, I, if, I, 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 I tackled yeah, yeah, yeah. a bunch of them. Going to be I, four know, what,
4: hours of news and I, notes because you haven't been on the I, air for two months.
1: I, I debated it. Oh, I did debate God. it. I, I did consider oh, it. I yeah. mean, Sam, didn't we do Quotathon last year? We did. Or something like, I, I and we didn't even get or, to the end of it. Right, three or four hours. The entire show was all quotes. Holy crap. <laughs> Oh, hey, I like to do things a little bit different. Uh, you guys know this. Not your. I'll be listening. I guess. Yeah, not your typical sports talk. Guy, I guess. And then Ryan Horvat too today. Horvat to do, today too, and I've been noticing. Uh, I want to get into it with uh, Ryan about uh, wagering now. Obviously, uh, Potawatomi. You find that in my news and notes. Yes. That's that's pretty cool. By the end of the year, a sports book inside at Canal Street. Um, but I want to get into. Have you noticed this, Stevie, in, in, in the wager, in sports wagering world? It's not just point spreads. It's not just who's money line, who's going to win the game, or a point spread, how much do they win by. My goodness, it's almost as if every night is like a Super Bowl prop bet sheet. Yes, correct. It's all assists and yes. rebounds. I mean, and it's just, like betting
4: the first whatever it is, three or four innings of a baseball game
1: you can bet yeah. over, unders on, and everything else. Yeah, I mean, and, it's and, – yeah. and, and how stat changes – Okay, I don't know what the protocol is in the NBA. I don't know how quickly they do stat changes. Huge money flies around on simply a stat change. Well, instead of five assists, he ended up with six. Well, the over and under was five and a half. Hmm. Imagine that. Crazy. So I want to get into that with Horvat, and then obviously some baseball conversation with Bruce Levine. And also, uh, you know, open up the phone lines as well in just a little while, too. You know, is, is there, a, you know, in in – simplistic terms, is there a solution to this baseball lockout?
4: Uh, After you fire Rob Manfred? I don't know. Uh, That'll do it. Uh, Tim Allen coming up next. Uh, He'll have you uh, filled in with Brewer stuff, I promise. Lots
2: of baseball stuff coming up next on The Rami Show. Have a good weekend, everyone. Toodles! This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on What's in Your Podcast queue. And guess what?